If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters. So we've been sort of kicking around what you need to know about different decades in your life. And in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about what you need to know in your 20s. And um, then we talked about like all of the different converging ideas that you need to think about in your 30s, about what is important about money at that age in your life. And so I'm moving up the ladder. So now we're going to talk about your, sorry guys, officially middle-aged people. The decade of the 40s. I always say this is the not enough decade. So I always say, you know, not enough time, not enough money, not enough brain power, not enough resources, and too many commitments. So for you that are in your 40s, I don't have to tell you how hard it is. There's raising your children. There's trying to grow on the career ladder and become more successful professionally. There's what you're supposed to save for college, what you're supposed to save for retirement. People are bombarding you all the time with ideas and information and advice. And then there's after school sports and there's acting and there's ballet and there's the family carpool. And then in the middle of it, most of us are trying to like stay sane and take care of ourselves a little bit. This is, I think, a very tough decade in a professional working person's life. By now, you think you're actually supposed to know everything, which I always think is kind of part of the problem. By the time you decide you're actually supposed to know everything, that's usually when it's time to be asking the questions. So I see a lot of people in their 40s have made some big mistakes along the way, have survived, and are worried about making those same kind of mistakes later, but have maybe created some bad habits along the way that just keeps setting them back. So one of the things I see with people in their 40s is, in general, too much debt. So in your 20s, you're willing to live on ramen noodles. And in your 30s, you're willing to be careful about everything because you don't make a lot of money and you're trying to do a few things and you haven't bought a house yet. You've got ideas. But by the time you get to your 40s, you feel deserving. Like, come on. I have been working really hard here. I don't really feel like I'm getting all that far ahead. I still owe a lot of money. I have a big mortgage. I have 2.5 kids. I haven't been on a great vacation in a long time. I work extra at my job and my boss doesn't even seem to realize how great I am and how much they should be paying me more. And I often in my 40s feel stuck financially, maybe stuck professionally too, and that might be part of it, but just too many jobs and no time. This is when I think people make the most financial mistakes, mostly because they don't have the time or they don't perceive they have the time to figure out what the right way it is to handle it. And so, you know, it's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine today about money and I said to her, it's sort of like dieting. And she goes, well, how do you mean? And I said, you know, like when you're trying to diet and you're like, yeah, I shouldn't eat that. 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 But most of the time what I am is, well, how bad could that be? I mean, I'm only eating this one thing. It's not like I had something bad at breakfast. If I have this thing at lunch, that'll be all right. And you know what happens is over time, most Americans gain weight. I mean, I don't think that's a newsflash, but most Americans also grow their debt. 
like on a really regular basis in America all the time. Not because they're crazy. They're out there buying things they can't afford all the time. But what they are is they're buying things over and over and over again. And money has become very opaque. Like you don't even carry bills in your wallet anymore. You carry a card or you put it on your Apple Pay or whatever it is. You're not really attached to your money. And so it's amazing how quickly it goes and you go, I'm making way more money than I thought I could make. And I look at it where it goes and I go, I don't have enough money. And so the slowing down to pick things, I think it's really hard in your 40s because there are a lot of competing things for your time, but this is actually when it's the most important time in your life to be that way. So this is the best time to actually decide that you're going to implement some annual things that are going to help you manage it through the course of the year. So even though I think that I'm definitely not like the budget police, I'm not sure I believe in setting a budget for food and then sticking with it. I'm more a believer that you should understand what the barriers of your life are because I think budgeting takes too much time and it's too hard. So what I mean by barriers, and I talk about this a little bit in my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, I talk about this idea of setting guideposts and using them instead. So the first thing I do with people is I say, let's take a look at your paycheck and see what your take-home pay is. Because let's face it, if you're spending more than your take-home pay, no matter what, it's not going to be good, right? And there are people, lots of people who spend more than their take-home pay on a really regular basis, which is part of why they can't keep the credit down. So how much is my take-home pay? It's neither good nor bad. It is just a fact. It is what it is. Then I say to them, did you get a tax refund last year? Or are you somebody that always gets a refund? Or are you somebody that always owes? Or are you kind of in the middle? So if you're in the middle, you don't get a really big refund, but you don't owe them any money either, not a lot, then you're doing what I think about is really good tax planning. Because deciding what your withholding is going to be is not a savings account. It's also not a loan against tax money you have to pay in the future. It's really meant that you should withhold the amount of taxes that you actually need in order to pay your tax bill. Not more, not less, but it's impossible to be perfect. So you decide, you know, plus or minus a few hundred dollars, great plus or minus a few thousand dollars, a mistake. Now, I've had people say to me, listen, I love getting that $5,000 refund. It's the savings I couldn't do all year. And I say, well, of course you couldn't do that savings all year. You were giving it to the government instead. And by the way, they weren't paying you any interest. So when I look at your take-home pay, I then say, how much in taxes did you owe or did you get? And then that tells me how much money somebody can afford to live on in the year. Then we look at what things they have to pay. Okay, mortgage, you have to pay your mortgage or or you get thrown out. Lights, no one wants to live in the dark. You sort of understand where I'm going here, right? Those fixed expenses that you must pay. Then the next thing you're going to put in the things that you always pay. Like how much do you typically spend on food? And this should be like a range. So if it's, you know, I go to the grocery store, I know I spend between 70 and $100 a week. So I pick $100 a week. Because $70 a week, $75 a week means I'm really paying attention. And you know, I throw stuff in my cart. I'm just like everybody else. That I maybe I'm trying this new thing, or maybe that meat looks better than this, or whatever it is. I know that I might spend more money. So I put that higher number in there. And then I look at all of those things, and I say, I need this much money of my total take-home pay just to run my little life, pay my bills, keep my lights on, keep the doors locked. And then whatever's left is what's left. Now, That doesn't mean that you're never going to spend over that number, but it means that whenever you spend over that number, you should have a plan for how you're going to get rid of it. So as an example, very few people buy a car and pay cash. I know everybody should, you hear it all the time, but very few people do. And interest rates have been so low for so long 
that it actually, there's been no incentive to pay cash for cars. So you're going to buy a car. It's $30,000. Should you have that in your discretionary income? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, let's be smart about this. If I'm going to do a home improvement on my house, I'm going to put a deck on the back of my house. It's going to cost $50,000. Should I have $50,000 in my cash flow to pay for it? I'm not saying that either. I'm saying to be smart about it. Should you pay for a vacation that you couldn't pay off in a year? People do it all the time. It's called timeshare. The answer is no, you shouldn't. If you can't pay that vacation off in a year, you shouldn't have done it. You should have done a cheaper vacation. Even if it's the once, we never travel like this, we're going to do this big trip. Great. Then save for it and then pay for it out of savings and then do the trip. But don't plan a big trip without a way to pay it off because next year you'll still be paying interest rate charges on that big trip. And this is the decade of your life where it all becomes really expensive. Now we know they need more than diapers and the kids get really expensive. There are school sports, there's what they wear, there's what they do. They all have their little phones. There's everything that we spend for our kids and then everything we try to spend for ourselves. We're trying to save for retirement. We're trying to save for their college. Like I said, this is really busy and really expensive. It's important to know what that budget looks like. How much is left over? It's a pot of money. For anything besides major purchases, meaning things that I know I can't pay off in one year, like as an example, a car or a significant home improvement, everything else should be something I'm able to take care of out of that pot of money. Maybe not that month, but over the course of that year. And that discipline will help you pay off the credit cards and keep them paid off. You might charge on something like charge a vacation and then pay it off over the next few months. But if you take a vacation in October and Christmas is coming up, that credit card should stay in the wallet because you really can't afford to do both. You need to be smart about picking what you really want and what you don't really want. Now, I want to talk a little bit about college because I think that at $1.4 trillion in student loan debt out there, it's now the second highest category of debt in America. And mostly that's because when people were in their 40s, they didn't decide saving for college was important or they thought, when the financial aid people told them that all they had to do was come up with the expected family contribution, they believed it. And so the expected family contribution used to lead, or still does actually today, lead people into believing that that's all they're going to have to come up for, for their kid's college. And what they found out was that's actually not true. They have to come up with that, and then they have to be willing to borrow the rest, and they'll lend you the rest. They call that aid. I actually call that a loan. So a lot of times in their 40s, people say, can't afford it. I don't this is my favorite quib about 40-year-olds. If I save for them, is this going to mean they're not going to get college financial aid? I hear all the time that if, they, if I save money, it's only going to get lost. And I say, if you save money, it only means that you're going to borrow less because they're not giving you the money anyway. The amount of student grants is fractional of the amount of total financial aid. Don't believe me? Ask any young college graduate how much college debt they came out with, even from working class parents who didn't have a lot of money because college is an experience now. It's not just night school or, you know, I went to day school and worked. It's not that. They go there, they live there, a semester abroad, spring break. I go, they're all on the five-year plan. It can be really, really expensive. And then they get out and they can't possibly get on the other side of this debt. So as a 40-something-year-old with kids, the very best thing that you can do for them is to position them not to be in this place. How do you do that? Well, first is, you start doing regular and consistent savings for college. If you didn't start it in your 30s, please start it in your early 40s. You can use things like 529 plans that provide a tax-sheltered way for you to save for college. 
You can ask relatives instead of giving your kids gifts to give you money to put in the 529 plan for college. You can also have real conversations with your child about what kind of college is affordable given the income and resources that you have so that they're not shocked later on when you say, we don't have the money for you to go to Boston College, who gets the most applications of any college in the country every single year. By the way, $65,000 a year. You're, you shouldn't be ashamed if you don't have the money to send your kid to an Ivy League school. You should be ashamed if your kid doesn't know that. So you don't owe your child a great education and you don't owe them a free education. If you don't have all the money to pay and they have to borrow some money, there's nothing wrong with that. What bothers me the most is when I see kids borrow money they don't understand at a cost they cannot afford and the parents stand by because they just didn't save the money themselves and never told the kids the truth. And the truth is you have the money for an Ivy League education or a really great private school, or you do not. And if you do not, the best advice you can give your child is helping them understand that they buy something within their means. It'll be a lesson that they carry with them their whole lives. And you have to start this in your 40s. Because by the time they're ready to go to school, which will come later in this decade or early in your 50s, you need to know that you've had this conversation with them, that they know what you can afford to do and not afford to do. Now, we all want to have like that amazing football player or the super bright girl that goes to college on a scholarship and you never pay anything, but it's a really small part of the population. And you need to plan for your kid to be like all the other kids and not to be like the exception. Because if she's not the exception or he's not the exception, then you've set them up to be very disappointed. So if you can save, save. If you can't save, tell them the truth and help them pick a school that they can afford or take a year off and work for a year or commute and live at home for a year. It's important to get the education that you need to go to the next place, but it's not important to get it while sleeping in the dorm halfway across the country because they have a great football program. You need to think about this as your first opportunity to teach your kids about money. And it's everything from what they do for college, but also just what you decide to spend money on. And I always tell the story because I always think about this as the funniest thing. I had a client come in and say to me, they were at the mall and the daughter wanted something. The daughter was young, maybe eight-ish. And they were in a store and the daughter wanted something. And the mother said, what the mother says all the time, which is, I don't have any money for that. And the daughter looks at her and says, can't you just take out your magic card? And what she realized when she said that was that I tell my daughter all the time that I can't afford things and then I buy them with a credit card and she thinks it's magic. And so we're all too old for magic tricks. We all know it's not true. And you want to make sure that if you say to your children you don't have money for it, that you then don't go buy it. Because what you're really saying is we can have anything we want, whether we have money or not. And that is a life lesson that will lead them in the wrong direction for their whole lives. Even if you don't do that, just the language of it is bad for that young developing mind who takes people at their word. By the time you get into your late 40s, at this juncture in your life, you're really thinking about the future. Now where we have the house, we're probably able to pay our bills, we're able to save, we're not always sure how that should be allocated. This is a great time to start to get some financial help about what your goals will cost. This is usually when people start looking about what retirement will cost, how much they should be saving versus how much they are saving, how much of a rate of return do they need to work to, do they need their money to earn? And what I'll say to you in your 40s is you're young and healthy for the most part, and you don't believe that could ever change. But you're going to find out when we talk about your 50s that change sometimes comes at you quickly. And it starts in your late 40s where suddenly things in your health of you or your friends or the people that you know and the people that you love suddenly starts to change. And you start to realize 
that there's no time like the present to get your financial house in order. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.